Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application for our lives. With that in mind... This is the height of security in Jesus Christ. This is it. You say, what are you talking about here? He is worried because of the gifts that God has given him that people think too highly of him. Because he's been to heaven, because he's met the Lord, because he writes the Bible, because he can get up in front of a group of people and he can hold a crowd's attention. And people think he's more spiritual than he is. He is worried that people think too highly of him for all of the wrong reasons. There seems to be a big interest in heaven these days. Today, Pastor Jim will share the Apostle Paul's visit to heaven, a visit very different than we see described in today's books and movies. With that in mind, here's Pastor Jim in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 12 with part three of his message entitled, A Quick Trip to Heaven. So we're told that it was 14 years ago most scholars will put this at about, if we think that 2 Corinthians was written about 55 AD, maybe you know, 20 plus years after Jesus rose from the dead. So this was written maybe 40 to 42 AD during what we call the silent decade, which is about 35 AD to 45 AD, which we have no record really of much of the Apostle Paul and certainly no record of him speaking about this until now. Things had gotten so bad in the Corinthian church that he decided, I'm going to have to actually talk about my trip to heaven. Why say a man? I think it's because the Apostle Paul knows that's all he is. The false teachers, they don't know that. They think they're really something special. They're, you know, ladies, you know, God's gift to women. They think they're God's gift to the body of Christ. And Paul doesn't see himself that at all. He sees him just as a guy. He's a guy who was snatched up to heaven by the power of God. There's a lot of discussion on the third heaven and paradise. The point is, he says, I was in the place where God dwells. I was in the place where the holiness of God is. I was in the place of glory. Interesting, he basically says it was so out of the realm of normal experience, it was so incredibly overwhelming, I don't even know if my body went or not. But don't miss, I think, a lot of what he's doing by kind of downplaying it. What is he telling us? I think he wants us to see that it was the Lord that took the initiative. Some of you know that you were walking down the road of your own life and Jesus showed up. He just showed up out of nowhere. Like, what are you doing here? And you knew it. And you were almost powerless to say no if you were not powerless. People say to me all the time, so when did you decide to follow Jesus? I said, I was dragged into the kingdom like those National Geographic lions dragging the antelope into the corner to go eat it. That's what it felt like to me. 
And so he's like, man, this is not something that I sought. Even going up to heaven, it's not something that I could duplicate. It's not something I could do on my own. Other guys are like, oh, well, you know, I told Jesus, let me come up and talk to you and we'll figure some stuff out. No, 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 that's not it at all. It's important to understand that we cannot bring ourselves to heaven. You can't bring yourself there by your own strength. You can't bring yourself there by your own wisdom. Can't bring yourself there by your own effort, by your own good deeds, by being a a good person. No, that's the story of the grace of God, that God initiates. God came to the world in the person of Jesus Christ. God came to you in the power of his spirit through his word to call you to himself. And so here the apostle just portrays himself as an ordinary man and tells us why the only reason anybody would go to heaven, anybody would go to the abode of God is because he was a man in Christ, a woman in Christ. What does that mean? That you have responded to the initiation of God. Now, we could talk for 10 weeks on that statement I just made. We're not going to, but if you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus and you would like to go to heaven, you must respond with faith and trust in Jesus Christ to the initiation of God towards you. So he says, probably the most debated part of this, he says, he heard inexpressible words. Tons of speculation, tons of theories, books written, movies, sermon series, all kinds of stuff on what were the inexpressible words. Let me tell you, I know what they were. You ready? Write this down. You can say you heard it here first. He heard inexpressible words. (laughs) That's what he heard. That's what he heard. Some say things beyond human ability. Others would say things too holy to speak of. Some would say the Lord didn't allow him to tell. Yet I think we get the feeling there is a sense of majesty. There is a sense of glory. He also tells us that what he experienced, it was not lawful for a man to utter. We might say uh, classified information. Perhaps if we combine the theories, we come up with things too great for words, things impossible to find the words for. Let's just say that We didn't allow you to take your cell phone with you on this trip we were going on. The young people were like, I'm not going. But we didn't allow you to take your cell phone with you, and we went out into the middle of some place where they didn't have electricity. They hadn't seen really mankind before. They were sort of living the way they've been living for the last thousands of years. And and you met them, and you said, I want to explain to you what an iPhone is. It would be impossible. I think that's a lot of what he's experiencing here. Things too great for words. And he's saying to us, even if I could find the words, whether it's classified information or whether I would be so inaccurate, he says to us, the Lord is telling me, I can't tell you. That makes me very suspect of some of these books. Very, very suspect. 2 Peter 3.13, he said, Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. How in the world could we, from coming from this sinful world, explain to somebody else another world, in, our, in some ways similar to ours, but in many ways very different, and the biggest difference is that world is where righteousness dwells. 
where there's no sin. It seems more like a fairy tale than anything else, doesn't it? And so he said, you can't, you, we could never explain that. But no matter what anybody wants to debate, this is clearly what we would call a personal life-changing event for the Apostle Paul. For him, it was a strengthening moment. Remember last week, we read some of the things that he went through, all the shipwrecks and the beatings and thought for dead and arrested and tried and, and all of those things. It was a strengthening moment preparing him for the future, but he wouldn't talk about it or he wouldn't boast about it. It was just something that he cherished in his heart. He will undergo such intense suffering. He will undergo such a war of the soul for the gospel that the Lord gave him a taste of glory. And what did it do? It humbled him. How different than other guys marching around the stage trying to make themselves look spiritual. How different than books that make heaven basically the same as here. I don't know about you, but I don't want it to be the same. <laughs> the Apostle John said this, 1 John 3, verses 2 and 3, he said, Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. We've said many times before that perhaps the primary goal of the Christian life is to be with Jesus and to be like Jesus. John says here, when we get to heaven, that will be fully realized. Very different than it is here. Very different than it is here. We will no longer have to be fighting the sin nature that we have, but rather we will be with him, we will be like him. That doesn't mean we will be God. That means that his nature, his ways will begin to overtake our souls. Verse three, and everyone who has this hope in him. Remember in the Bible, hope is not like it is for us. When somebody you know, has something going on in their life, we're like, well, I hope that works out for you. And then you turn your back, yes, she's dead, right? We, that's, not, that's not what it is in the Bible. Hope is the surety, the confidence. So everyone who has this confidence, this hope in him, do you have that hope? Do you have that confidence? Because notice he doesn't say that everyone who has that hope, has that confidence, satisfies his own curiosity like a lot of us want to do now. He says, no, when we have that hope, when we have that confidence in heaven, we're not chasing all of these theories. What do we do? He says, purifies himself just as he is pure. So we begin to live more pure lives, not lives that indicate that we're not following the Lord at all. You know, one of those illustrations, I brought up my wife a few times and I had to go, uh, I said to my wife, I had to say, sorry about all the unplanned wife illustrations last week, babe. But, you know, one I brought up that just sort of came on the spot and, and a lot of you commented to me during the week was that I love my wife, but I would never say, well, it doesn't matter how I live because Pam forgives me anyway. I mean, when you love someone, you don't say such foolish things. When you love someone, you live for them. You give to them. You want to live lives that are pleasing to them. And here John says, if, that's, if you have the hope of heaven, you purify yourself just as he is pure. You want to start to live more like him, not because it's some legalistic rules, rules, rule kind of thing, because you love him. I don't go out and do stuff that makes Pam angry because I love Pam. Now, sometimes I do stuff that makes her angry. 
but then I apologize for it, but I'm not willfully doing such things. And here's the beautiful truth that I think the Apostle Paul is kind of saying behind everything is that sometimes the Lord will give us personal and biblical glimpses of his glory. Sometimes he'll tell you something that's so personal that maybe it's not for anybody else but you, but will always match up with the Bible. And why will he do it? He will do it to strengthen us, to help preserve us, to help give us wisdom. The Apostle John, we just read, says it will motivate you to purity, to holiness. It will raise your hopes. It will raise your confidence in the Lord. It will increase your faith. It will not increase your immaturity. It will not increase your speculation. It will not increase you walking around saying, hey, it doesn't matter how you live. Jesus forgives us all the time anyway. No, not at all. All of this is to draw us closer to the Lord Jesus. And now as we go into the next section, he's going to teach us that it's not trips to heaven that matter. It's what we are in Christ now. Verse 5 and verse 6 seems to be a bridge in between the trip to heaven and the thorn in the flesh. In some ways, the two verses do serve as a bridge. But there's an incredible truth here. I would encourage you really to go home and really think about verse 6. Because verse 6, really, it's a real life changer. Verse 5, he says, Of such a one... I will boast. What is he talking about there? I will boast in such a one because the Lord did a lot in that guy's life. So he's really boasting in the Lord, the man in Christ. Yet of myself, who I am myself without Christ, really, I will not boast except in my infirmities. Which is, that's taking us into the next section. Some of your versions say, except in my weaknesses. Then verse 6, life changer. For though I might desire to boast, I will not be a fool. Though I might desire to make myself look spiritual, make myself look all hip like these other guys, I'm not going to do that because I know if I do that, I'll be a fool. He says, for I will speak the truth, but I refrain What is he saying? I refrain from telling you how spiritual I am. There's a reason why Luke recorded all this stuff and I don't. There's a reason why I didn't go around telling you all the time, listen to what I say because I've been to heaven. He says, but I refrain lest anyone should think of me above what he sees me to be or hears from me. Man, I love this dude. I love this dude. This is the height of security in Jesus Christ. This is it. You say, what are you talking about here? He is worried because of the gifts that God has given him that people think too highly of him. Because he's been to heaven, because he's met the Lord, because he writes the Bible, because he can get up in front of a group of people and he can hold a crowd's attention. And people think he's more spiritual than he is. He is worried that people think too highly of him for all of the wrong reasons. For his visions and his revelations. Now, is that really who most of us are? Are you really worried that people think too highly of you? No, we worry that people think too little of us. Or get the wrong idea of us. He was secure. He knew 
who he was in the Lord Jesus Christ. He's saying, listen, a trip to heaven does not mean I am suitable for anything. Even a trip to heaven doesn't mean that I'm a man of God. Even a trip to heaven wouldn't mean that someone is a woman of God. Just to say I've been there doesn't mean anything. How I live now says it all. My personal character, he's telling them, that's what says it all. Look at my life, he is saying, and see if it speaks volumes. Listen to what I teach. Listen to what I say. Listen to the fact that when you leave them, you think, oh, that's what a great speaker. That was so awesome. What a great sermon. You'd leave the Apostle Paul and say, isn't our God wonderful? Isn't our Savior magnificent? Many of you ask me, and you know, I, Calvary Chapel has some of the largest churches in the country. I mean, we have some big, big churches. You have 5,000 people in your church, 10,000. You're not even considered that big anymore. And you know what? Every month, whether it's Calvary Chapel or or it's another church denomination, I read month after month about pastors falling into sin. Just constantly. And many of you say, how does this happen? And there are many, many reasons. But I can tell you a few things that are making it happen more and more in our culture Because it will continue. It will continue when gifting trumps character. It will continue when charisma, the ability to draw a crowd, the ability to hold a crowd, is more important than people who are, the way people are behind closed doors. It will continue when those who think they are anointed exempt themselves from daily obedience to the word of God. It will continue when people in their churches are willing to look the other way because, oh, the anointing that is on this speaker, on this man, it will not stop. It's going to keep happening and happening and happening. Paul says it's not the ability to draw a crowd that shows the anointing of God upon his life. It's the way he lives. It's the way he acts. It says he doesn't think he's better than people. He says, I know a man. Just, hey, check out what I did. No, I know a man. Sadly, in the Corinthian church, the visions of the false teachers, the showmanship of the false teachers led people to put their trust in men instead of Jesus. And you say, how do you know when a church puts their trust in men or the pastor instead of Jesus? It's very worldly. It's very worldly. Heard yesterday about a pastor, known his ministry for a long time. He started hanging out with a drinking and partying group of pastors. Totally went back to the old life. Started doing drugs. Gone. Not in the ministry anymore. I asked the person who told me, what's the church like? What a wreck. What a wreck. You know what? He brought that partying to the church. All the solid people, they saw it, they left. Who's left? All the partiers. 
The kingdom of God is not looking for spiritual superstars. The kingdom of God is looking for humble servants, people doing their best with God's help to walk in daily obedience and service to the king. The Apostle Paul, Pastor Paul, is a very good pastor. He wants the focus to be on the salvation of Jesus Christ and the gospel. He wants the focus to be on the message, not on the messenger. He realizes that joyfully serving and suffering for the cause of Christ, preaching the word of God, not using the word of God in your sermons, but preaching the word of God, that's what matures a church, not touting your ministry, not touting your experiences. The Apostle Paul wrote this, Colossians 3.1, if then you were raised with Christ, <laughs> if then, if you really are a Christian, seek those things which are above. And the idea is not just seek one time, but is seeking. It's an ongoing word. Keep seeking, set your heart on the things of heaven where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on the things of earth we might say live the heaven-centered life. Make that your goal. C.S. Lewis said this in, in Mere Christianity. If you read history, you will find that Christians who do the most for the present world were just those who thought the most of the next. They were so heavenly-minded, he's saying, that they became earthly good. He goes on, the apostles themselves who set on foot the conversion of the Roman Empire, the great men who built up the Middle Ages, the English evangelicals who abolished the slave trade, all left their mark on earth precisely because their minds were occupied with heaven. Now listen to this indictment. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they have become so ineffective in this. Aim at heaven, and you will get earth thrown in. Aim at earth, and you will get neither. I wonder what could the Lord do with such a Christian? What could the Lord do with such a church? Living the cross-centered life, the heaven-centered life in resurrection, Power, eyes fixed on heaven, joyfully waiting and serving until the return of the king. You say, but Pastor Jim, what about heaven? I feel like I don't really know too much about it. Well, read the word of God and let the word of God fill your imagination with the fascinating wonders of heaven available to those who've put their trust in Jesus. You see, there's a lot about heaven God has not made known to us but he has been very open and honest. He has made known to us how to get to heaven. That was not private. That was not words that could be not spoken. That was not classified information. It was public. It was historical. He himself became a man in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he calls you and I to put our trust in him today, whether it's for the first time or again and again. So let me ask you, do you want to go to heaven? In heaven, we will experience the full beauty and grandeur of Christ. In heaven, we will experience the glory of the kingdom of God 
So let me ask you, are you ready to be caught up? Are you ready to go to heaven? Put your trust in Christ. Live with him today, and you will live with him forever. You've been listening to Changed by Love, the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Dover, New Jersey. Our hope and prayer is that all of our listeners would grow into committed followers of Jesus Christ. And we're overjoyed to play whatever role we can in helping you mature in your faith. Would you like to know more about us? Maybe you'd like to pass this message on to a friend or family member. If so, go to our website at www.changedbyloveradio.com. Maybe you have a question or need some guidance. We don't want to replace your pastor, but we are here to help. It's so easy to contact us. All you have to do is call, click, or write. Our phone number is 973-659-3380. That's 973-659-3380. Our email address is info at changedbyloveradio.com. And our mailing address is changedbylove, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. Once again, that is Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. You may be surprised to know how excited Pastor Jim and the Changed by Love radio team are to hear from you. In fact, it's common for Pastor Jim to pass on your encouragement to the congregation here in New Jersey, since we consider all our listeners part of our family. That's all the time we have for today. Our sincere hope and desire is that you will join us again next time on this radio station as we continue teaching the Word of the Lord. We here at Change by Love pray God's best to each and every one of you today. Until next time.